You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Pastor Jesse Miller. Luke chapter 10, we'll start in verse 38, but first, um, let me me share with you uh, a personal pet peeve of mine, okay? Something that just drives me a little bit nuts. There are some people in life who are like tapped out, exhausted, you know, and they work like 12 hours a week at like... Starbucks, you know, they're making a little, little frappuccinos. They got those unicorn fraps going down like crazy. Like they're, they're just t- tapped out on life, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? But they're busy all the time. Somehow they're busy, they're exhausted, they're worn out. And then you have the opposite side of that, which also drives me nuts. When I talk to my kids, they've got a thousand toys, a thousand things they can play with. Books, movies, Barbie dolls. Stuffed animals like you wouldn't believe. Like we, Ashley and I, secretly remove stuffed animals from our house on a regular basis. Like whoops, that fell in the trash can. Don't need that one anymore. Like there's so many toys, right? But then every once in a while, you get this. I'm bored. I'm really bored right now. There's nothing to do. I'm like really nothing to do. This was Haley's problem the other, a couple weeks ago. Um, my was my in-laws, right? Yeah, it was my in-laws bought her a pottery wheel. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> pottery wheel. So they buy her a pottery wheel. She's been wanting to do this, and she's not doing it by herself, so it relies on me. And finally, there's a Saturday. Like, like okay, it's Saturday. Haley, we'll do the pottery wheel together, okay? She asked like 13 times during breakfast. Like, we'll do it together today, okay? We'll do it. So I get the pottery wheel out of the box and the, you know, the little base, the little pedal for her foot, you know, because this is high tech. She's going to be making cups. And then on the box it even says, do not drink out of these cups. I'm like, what? And I told her that. I said, you can't drink out of it. She's like, what's the point of it? I said, exactly. But anyway, so we get it all set up. It's one problem. It's missing the wheel. There's no wheel for the pottery wheel in the box. Well, you would have thought that I just ruined her entire life somehow. And so I'm like, Haley, you know, we still have a lot of other things to do. We can take this back tomorrow. We'll get you a new one or we'll see if we can get you a new one and we'll work on it. She's like, but I've been waiting for weeks for this. I'm bored. So for the first three hours of that day or the rest of the day, she was like miserable because there was nothing to do. There's kind of two spectrums of people, people who are so overworked so exhausted all the time they're running that rat race but there are like some of us who just feel like we're in this constant state of moving 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 we're tired we're exhausted or there's the other side of us who are just looking for something to do like we're bored with everything nothing entertains us my professor in college said only boring people are bored and I'm like that's a good one I'm going to use that with my kids I did it didn't work by the way they're like no you're boring I'm like whatever anyway they don't really talk like that that'd be weird if they did but um there's kind of two spectrums of life sometimes. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys are married? How many of you guys have kids? Like there's a lot of us now. How many of you remember being newlyweds without kids? I do what I want. You know what I'm talking about? You could do anything. I remember taking Ashley for our, uh, her 30th birthday. We went to the Outer Banks for a week without kids. And there was, I was giving her cards every day. And in the card I had a planned out option for her and she opened the card the one day and says we can either go here or here today and I'm like which one do you want to do she's like we don't have kids we can do both I'm like we can do both 
this is amazing. Like, like, you could, like, you guys know what I'm talking about. So single people can't wait to be married, and I think that's cool because there is a part of us that longs for that. But single people, you can do anything, anytime. Anytime. Married people, you can do most things anytime. Like, you can go to the store just to go to the store together. You don't have to get the car seat out, the stroller out. You don't have to pack a diaper bag. You don't have to make sure kids have the proper attire on. Like, it's 40 degrees outside yesterday. My daughter has big baggy pants, a weird black shirt, and flip-flops. I'm like, it's raining at 40 degrees. Why are we walking into Texas Roadhouse this way? I don't know. But you can do anything you want to do. Most of us live in kind of this one place in our life where we either feel like we have too much freedom or not enough freedom. You know what I'm talking about? And there's a part of us where we have to make priorities, recognize priorities, see what's important, and make space for the right things. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now this is right after Luke's account gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan, and it's wrecking the religious leaders' minds, wrecking their way of thinking about things. Their way of seeing who's right, who's holy, how to help the poor, how to help the broken. It's wrecking them, okay? We won't get into that parable today, but I want to look at this next verse here, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister, Mary, who sat down at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you, not, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, I want to point out a few things. How, how many of you guys have heard this passage before? At some point, somebody's preached it. We've heard it a good bit. And uh, just kind of in the last few days, I had another message planned, and the Lord kind of wrecked me and, and hijacked my plans, and this is what God laid on my heart. Um, and I want you to listen to it with, with, with me for, for a second with open ears. Don't just tune out because you've heard this before, and you're like, oh, I know where he's going with this. I want you to hear me. There's a few things that we need to see in this passage. The first thing that we see is we have... So Mary, Martha, and their brother, right? Lazarus, right? This is, this is close friends with Jesus. These are wealth, it's a wealthy family that helps Jesus out in his ministry. They love Jesus. He weeps when Lazarus is dead, right? Like Jesus loves this family. He raises Lazarus from the dead. There's a relationship here. And so Jesus goes to their town. He's in ministry and he goes to their town. And Martha is the one who invites him into their house saying, Jesus, come into our house. So Jesus comes into the house and he's teaching the disciples. He's teaching the men. Now, here's something about Jewish culture that you have to understand to get the full picture. In a Jewish house at that time, you had the main social room, which was reserved for men only. Only men can be in that room. You had the kitchen. That's where women were allowed to be. And you had other private rooms where guests did not go. Women could go there. Really, the only place that a man and woman could be together in a house was the marriage bedroom or outside in the yard. That's it. So Ma- Martha, right, the one who's working really hard, who's busy here in this passage, she's the one who invites Jesus into the house. She says, Jesus, why don't you come in here? He goes in and rests, and then she's mad because her sister is listening to Jesus teach, right? She's at his feet. She's not mad here because her sister 
is not helping do the dishes. She's not mad that her sister's not cleaning. She's mad because her sister's acting like a man. You couldn't teach a woman. Women weren't taught by rabbis. They weren't taught by the religious leaders, except in synagogue. And even then, there was separation of man and woman. So here, Martha invites him into the house. She goes and does all the work to host them, and her sister's acting like a man in the man's room at his feet. At his feet literally means to sit at the feet of a rabbi, to learn from them. When you sat at the feet of a rabbi, you said, in a sense, I think that I can be like you, so give me all that you have. Mary is sitting at his feet saying, your kingdom that you've been talking about, I think I can be a part of this. I'm sitting here absorbing all of your kingdom, all of your teaching, and I don't care if this room, if this place is only for your disciples, I'm here and you're letting me be here. And so the sister says, Jesus, don't you care that she's not helping me and she's out there with you? And what we turn this into sometimes, we turn this into some kind of rebuke by Jesus where he's angry at Martha. Martha, Martha. That's not the tone here at all. That's not who our Jesus is here with her. There's compassion that he's trying to reveal something to her. Martha, Martha. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing. There's only one thing here that's important. And Mary's chosen the good portion it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary's going after the teaching of the kingdom. She's going after what she's understanding is becoming her inheritance. Her inheritance isn't to stay in the kitchen anymore. Her inheritance isn't about her not being, her not understanding who God the Father is. Her inheritance is to sit at his feet and become like Christ. Mary's going after this. Let me, let me, Mary, her name literally means beloved. You know what Martha's name means? Lady of the house. <laughs> Lady of the house. Keeper of the end. Anyway, that's not how the song goes. But. She is becoming defined by this, her name and, and her culture. And even though she's the one who wants his presence in her dwelling place, she separates herself with all these anxieties and works and, and obligations and expectations and cultural norms and blah, 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 what she's supposed to do. Mary, the beloved, puts her place in a position as the beloved and sits at the feet absorbing all that is the kingdom. Jesus came and taught the kingdom. That's what he taught, what the kingdom looked like and how it was to be imparted in us. The very next passage in Luke's gospel is him teaching us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the very next passage. Luke wants us to see that something is taking place here where the religious mindsets with the the Good Samaritan parable and all the other parables before and the woman's place at the feet of Jesus and then the kingdom of heaven coming on the earth. He wants us, Luke wants us to see that heaven has invaded earth and it's for all of us. It's for you. It's for man, woman, boy, girl, teacher, illiterate. It doesn't matter. It's for all of us. Declaring the kingdom is not just for Jesus. Because when Mary sits there at the feet, sitting at his feet, 
She's realizing I can be like him. I can be what he's doing. Like That's my role as, a, as in this place, in this relationship. She's realizing this is for me to receive and then to impart, to leave and to give. Make sense? Declaring the kingdom is not just for Jesus. It's not just for educated men. It's not just for fishermen or tax collectors or former prostitutes or housewives. It's for all of us. This passage is not about rebuking people who get things done either. So, so often we make this passage about we should all be like Mary and not have any worries and not do anything. And Martha worries a lot and does things. That's not what this is about. It's not about rebuking that personality. I'm thankful for people who get things done. This church would not be here without my wife who gets things done, right? How many of you people have a spouse who gets things done? Nobody responds. Ben, you're on. Okay, a few of you are like, yeah, I can say that. That's me. This is not about rebuking those people, and it's not about rewarding people or awarding people who don't work and just sit around to be so spiritual. Um, This is not about being spiritual either. If you think that the point of my message is to try to convince you to be super spiritual, that's not the point either. The point is recognizing the moment of his presence. He's there in the room. And he tells her, she's chosen the better portion. She's chosen the better thing. It's about his presence. How many of you guys have heard that phrase, so spiritually minded they're no earthly good? That's nonsense. How many of you have also, also heard, oh, that person's very spiritual? You guys heard that described about somebody? Oh, they're very spiritual. My aunt so-and-so, she's very spiritual. I don't know why I went into that voice when I said it. <laughs> it just happened. I can't stand that phrase either. Because what they mean by very spiritual is she goes to Catholic church every Sunday or they go to church regularly. That doesn't make you very spiritual, okay? The whole thing here, Jesus is not saying, I want, one, I want you guys to be very, very spiritual. That's not what he's saying. He's not about separating the, the workers and the, the, the feelers. That's not what this is about here. It's about recognizing the moment of his presence recognizing when he's in the midst and saying something, understanding that you and I are invited to sit at his feet and receive the gospel of the kingdom and then to declare that back. He says only one thing is necessary. See, why all the things in our life seem very, very important, your job, taking care of the house, family, whatever, why all those things are very, very important, they're not necessary. Now, I'm not saying leave your house a mess and then you got cockroaches and bugs and your kids are... That's all I'm saying. What is necessary, the only thing that's necessary, Jesus says, only one thing's necessary, and that's me. That's me. Everything else is temporary. It's fleeting, here today, gone tomorrow. Everything else doesn't have eternal value. Mary chose the good portion and it will not be taken from her. What she got in my presence will never be taken from her. Only one voice is necessary. Psalms chapter 16, verses 5 through 6, the psalmist says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. David says, the Lord is my portion and my cup. Okay, let me explain some some words here. So portion, lot, lines, inheritance, those four words that we see in those two verses, the psalmist is is referring to the promised land. 
his section of the promised land. You, your family was given a line, a portion, an inheritance of the promised land. Make sense? And, the, and David says, the Lord is that for me. The Lord is my part of the land that we've been waiting for for generation after generation. The Lord is that for me. And Jesus says to Martha, Mary has chosen the better portion. She's chosen to receive the promised land for her. She's chosen to take her inheritance. Here in this moment in your house, Mary recognized and she sat at the feet. She took her cup. She took her portion. Make sense? She saw what she had in the moment and received from it. Yesterday, um, so we, we have to recognize what's really important, what's, what's, what's of eternal value. Yesterday, my wife was out of town for the last week, and, uh, and I, I went into like straight, like, let's get this done mode yesterday morning. We're going to do the dishes. We're going to vacuum. We're going to dust. I'm going to put that picture up my wife once put up. You girls are going to put your laundry away. I'm going to put all my laundry away. We're going to get it all done, right? By the time Ashley got home, every room, let me say this. Ashley got home at 12 o'clock, 1130. Every room in the house was spotless. Looked amazing. There were some tears involved, me and my kids both crying at some point during the process. But it was spotless, right? Because I want my wife to come home, have a clean house, and like just relax. You know, it was a three-hour drive. You know, she had grace with her all week. Nice house. 1130 was beautiful. 12 o'clock, there's a bazillion Barbies laying in my daughter's room. I'm like, I thought you cleaned this up. Well, you said we could play a little bit. I'm like, play a little bit. Do you need 75 Barbie dolls on the ground? I wanted mommy to come in. And so like that, it's no big deal, whatever. Ash comes in, we take the bags upstairs. I go back downstairs, right? Go back downstairs. My living room has turned into a jungle gym of sorts. There are pink tents, because all we have is pink blankets in our house. Pink tents, gates, shopping carts, strollers, babies without clothes on. I don't understand what happened. I'm confused. Why do I say that? Because in my attempt all morning long to keep my house looking good for my wife, it was gone in that moment. You parents know what I'm talking about. It takes them 45 minutes to clean up one portion of their room. It takes them five minutes to destroy a house like we get it we get so busy on these things look at our jobs how many of you guys have been through like more than four or five jobs and you work hard at your job right hopefully do all things to the lord some of you are like eh, not so much i don't really care we go through seasons we go through all these things that we put all this energy into and then they're gone what i want you to understand here jesus is reminding us that our portion, the thing of eternal value, is time in his presence. It's hearing from him. Hearing his voice in our life. You want great riches that can never be taken. Spend time in his presence. Listen to his voice. If you say to me, well, Jesse, Jesus isn't here anymore. I can't necessarily invite him over for coffee and sit in his house. Um, or you say, Jesse, that's why I come to church on Sunday morning, to get my spiritual inheritance. Let's look at John chapter 16. If you have not spent some time in John, do it. It will wreck you. It really will. John chapter 16. Go to verse, well, midway through verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, 
because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, you will convict the world concerning, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay, so that sounds kind of sad, doesn't it? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, it's better that you, you, Jesus goes away, the Holy Spirit will come so that he can convict everybody of, right, of, of wrongs. I mean, that sounds intense. But I want you to hear the rest of it too. The Holy Spirit has multiple roles and functions. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that I will take, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, hey, I'm leaving. I'm gone. You can't come with me. And I know this makes you sad, but don't be sad about it. Because the Holy Spirit's coming. I'm sending the helper. And that's better for you than my own presence here. That verse has always messed with me. Because there are many, many moments I'm like, Jesus, if I could just see you. If I could just have you in this room. If I, if I could just hear your voice clearly and in the physical, right here in this moment, if I could just have that, then I wouldn't be confused at all. But Jesus told his disciples who saw him, who lived with him, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because why? He'll convict the world of all these things. He'll lead them in the truth. The spirit of truth will come. That's who he is. And he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will speak what he hears. He will speak what he hears. And he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has. That's what we're talking about. The inheritance of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit declares and imparts that into us. Right before that, he says, I, couldn't t- I can't tell you some of these things now, but in the future, he'll come and he'll reveal truth to you. The whole point of Christ's coming was to bring light, to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to bring truth. And in a world where so many people are seeking truth, trying to figure out, okay, uh, what should I do about this job coming up? What should I do about my kids? How do I handle my spouse? How do I handle this? What about all these things? Well, my finances are small and I don't have enough money for this. And what about this career? Maybe I should get rid of this job and get to this job. You guys know what I'm talking about. You ever live in that place of like, I got a thousand questions and no answers. The Holy Spirit has come to give us all truth, eternal truth that goes beyond our temporary moment into eternity. Something that we will never lose. Jesus tells his own physical disciples, it's better for me to leave so that he's here to lead you into all truth and reveal things that you don't know yet. Because you can't listen to me and receive it. You don't understand it when I say it, but when he says it, you'll get it. Make sense? I, I see a lot of you guys just staring at me like you've, you've heard this before or you don't believe me. One of the two. So I'm, I'm assuming you do believe me. 
He's leading us into all truth. Everything in his kingdom, right? Everything that's his kingdom looks like this so that we can, we can understand it through the presence of the Holy Spirit. There are moments when you have to forget all the expectations that you put on yourself and pursue his presence so that you can taste the good portion. Your eternal inheritance here on the earth, you want to taste that as it is in heaven. That's what this last week really was. It was us focusing on his presence, listening to his voice, removing distractions. Now, sure, most of us were probably still working like worker bees, doing our thing, going job to job, house to house, whatever, whatever you do. I don't know what you do. You're like, job to job, house to house. What, is it? what am I, a vacuum salesman? I, I don't know. Some of, you guys know what I'm talking about. You just don't have time to read the Bible or spend time in worship because, you know, your life is busy. I've heard that a thousand times. I just don't really have the time. And, and I would say that we need to examine Martha here in this moment. Because every day I hear people say, I want to hear his voice. I want to hear him speak truth to me. I want to know him better. But yet every day we're too busy to sit at his feet and to break down social norms and just go into his presence. Like you're invited there. Truth and wisdom is available. I love James chapter 1. I love it. It's become like one of my life verses. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him go to God who gives it freely. Freely. God is not some God up in heaven with a big old tank of wisdom. It's like, no, 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 no. Back up. Do something for me. Eh, I guess that's good enough. That's, that's not who he is. He gives it freely when we come to him, knowing that it's only from him, only in his presence, only by the Spirit that we will understand anything or know anything or have discernment about anything. It's only a gift from him that we know anything. You're invited to taste this good portion. You're invited to sit at his feet in a world that was not able to do that. He came down and he broke down those social norms, those social walls, and said, just sit here, just enjoy my presence. You've got something of eternal value here in me. If your life is boring, spend some time in his presence. If your life's too busy, cut some things out and spend some time in his presence. When, he, when, he, when, his, when he's doing something else and, and you're good, go ahead back to your job, go ahead clean. Make sense? I don't know if that makes sense here. Like, what was he talking about? How many of you guys understood that? Just anybody? Okay, because I, I, it's about living. We live by the Spirit, right? And there are moments when I, you, I, I have to wake up daily and say I'm putting off the flesh living by the Spirit. But I can still work my job and live by the Spirit at the same time. I can still produce. I can still take care of my kids and my family. But there comes moments where God's trying to reveal something to me where I have to set aside a moment of my of my expectations, of my social norms, of my job expectations and my responsibilities and say, I'm just spending time right here with you. I want to hear what you're saying. I don't want to be distracted. Make sense? A lot of us understanding the live by the Spirit thing, like, oh, the Holy Spirit will speak to me. You know, as I'm going down the road, like there comes a sign from the Holy Spirit. It's going to hit me in the head and say, speak to that guy. We understand that he'll do that. But what we have a hard time with is making that space for him to reveal the deeper things. Make sense? The sit at his feet. 
So I, I mentioned something earlier. You guys still with me? You guys okay? Okay. I mentioned something earlier about how, you know, sometimes people are like, hey, I, I get my spiritual stuff on Sunday, right? And, um, and I understand that because it's easy to get into that mode where Monday through Saturday is busy. And Sunday is like that time that you set aside to come to church and receive. And that is important for a few reasons. One, it says that pastors and leaders are gifts to the church to equip and stir the saints, to be on ministry, right? And then the scripture also tells us to forsake not when we come together. There's something about us coming together in corporate worship that just stirs us, doesn't it? It's, it's amazing when we get together and we, we're stirred and, and God's just doing something. We get to hear each other's stories and testimonies. It does something in us. But there's a problem when our Christianity becomes about receiving the word of the Lord only on Sunday mornings. That God's this scheduled time in my busy week. I want to encourage you. I feel like we have a room full of people who are just like Martha in the fact that they invite Jesus into their dwelling place. They invite him into their lives. But when he comes in and he's trying to teach, you feel like he's asking you to do something and you never are listening. You feel like he's just asking you to go and help at the soup kitchen or be a better mom or be a better dad or, or be a better worker or plan something better for ministry or, or whatever. And, you know, go greet at the church or serve in a cafe. And all these things are great. And you feel like that's your way of inviting the Holy Spirit, God to come into your life, and that's the way you're supposed to respond. And I'm, I want to challenge you this morning that Jesus wants way more than that. He doesn't, by way more, he doesn't want your work. He wants your ear and he wants your heart. He wants your ear, he wants your heart. He wants you to sit at his feet, hear from him, because there will come a time for working. There will come a time for, for fasting. But when he's in the presence, when he's right there, you receive and listen. Make sense? This morning, some of you, um, I want to say this. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me just say this. We have a God who loved us so much that he came in physical form, died on the cross for our sins, so that you and I could have regular access to the Father, to God. He wants to be personally involved with your life today. He wants to speak wisdom and truth and love to you today. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's simply saying, Jesus, I need you to speak to me. I need you to forgive me. I need a Savior. That's all it is. There's no, we're not going to put some kind of limbo thing up here you have to walk through, you know, go underneath and like you do all these rigorous tests. It's, there's no prayer, there's no form, there's no document. It's you putting yourself, saying, Lord, I need you. I want to know you. The rest of us who understand that basic thing, I want to challenge you. What does your week look like? Are you so busy that you don't have a few moments to spend in his presence? I, that's why I pointed out Melissa's testimony this morning, because it's beautiful. It's how often many of us feel. Like we just don't have the time or the space, and then then she's like, oh, I'm going to fast this. And then she gets up and does it. And it was more rewarding to her than she imagined it to be. That's what time in his presence is. It's a portion that you'll never lose. You'll never lose it. Let's stand. Let's worship.
as we sing this morning, I encourage you. I encourage you to just sit at his feet. Let the Holy Spirit speak. If you if you have not heard his voice, ask him the ask him to be clear. He does not hide himself from us. He won't. That's not who he is. If my daughter is being abused out in the streets by some thugs, do you think I'm going to play hide and seek at that time? Do you think I'm going to go in the house and stay under the covers? So why do we think that when we need to hear God's voice that he hides from us? That's not who he is. That's not who he is. I encourage you this morning as we, as we worship, present your hearts to him. Let him speak to you. Because that, that's, that's a reward that you'll never lose. You'll never lose it. You'll never regret a moment in his presence, ever. Let's worship for a few moments. two things that I feel like I want to pray for. Uh, one, when we were in worship earlier today, there's a line that we sang that says, I was made for you. I was made by you. I'm unfulfilled without your communion. That's what Jesus is. That's what this whole thing is. is we get to have communion, regular relationship, intimacy, time in his presence, and we will always be unsatisfied without that. Always. We're unfulfilled with that, without it. It's because we're made for him and and by him we were made for communion with him so I want to pray for that if that's just like your, your, your experience your intimacy with the Lord just feels kind of dry and distant or separate I want to pray for that but I also I want to do this if you let me read this verse but the Lord answered her Martha Martha you are anxious and troubled about many things if you kind of feel like you live in that state of anxious and worry about many things, I want to encourage you as we close in prayer, go ahead and put your hands out and I'm going to pray over you. Father, I, I pray that a revelation of your goodness would remove any fear or doubts or insecurities or anxieties. God, I pray that a revelation of our acceptance in you, hidden in you, and inheritors of the kingdom would sweep us so that we're not filled with worries about people's expectations or our, or our own expectations, Father, that we would be relieved of these anxieties as we choose the good portion, which is you. So, Father, I speak against anxieties. I speak against fears, worries, doubts, insecurities. God, I speak against those things. In Jesus' name, I bind them. And I loose the spirit of love. I loose the spirit of sonship, of daughters. That we are your ambassadors. We are your children. We are hidden in you. We are surrounded by your presence. So Father, I speak right now in Jesus' name against any voice of the enemy that would try to cause doubt, anxiousness, or insecurity in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be so thick in our hearts revealing your desire for communion, revealing your desire for a relationship to speak all truth to us. God, I ask for those of us who are just seeking clarity and wisdom in a situation, 
by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us that and you give it freely. We ask for it. We receive it. We've put our hearts and our affections on you and we receive your voice today. We want to be people of your presence that live out of what you have given to us. That we speak and declare the kingdom that you have imparted in us. Help us to become those people who spend time at your feet and receive every word that comes out of your mouth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.